once we added the clinical appropriateness component, we have more than doubled the prevention rate of incorrect payments. When a health plan is deciding whether to pay a claim, there's no shortage of information to consider and reviews that must be performed, including medical coding and documentation. And perhaps the most challenging question to answer is this, is the information on the claim clinically appropriate? Welcome to episode 18 of From the Trenches, a podcast from Cotivity. On the show, we're digging deep into the latest trends in healthcare analytics that help organizations make the most of their data. I'm Jeff Robinson, Senior Manager of Corporate Communications here at Cotivity, and today on the show, we dive into how to review a claim for clinical appropriateness before and after it is paid and why it matters. My guests are Marla Wilson, Cotivity Vice President of Clinical and Coding Operations. Marla, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jeff. We're also joined by Ken Sabolsky, Vice President of Audit Operations. Ken, great to have you on the show. Jeff, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So to start our conversation off today, what is clinical appropriateness in the context of a health plan's payment integrity program, and why is it important? Marla, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Jeff. First of all, the important thing to uh, note is really the distinction in coding regulations and clinical audit. Both the clinical validation and the chart clinical validation uh, that Ken's gonna be speaking to are really taking into account both coding regulations that are national standards, as well as incorporating that documentation that also supports a clinical scenario not really judging medical necessity, but incorporating medical policies and guidelines, as well as policies uh, standard across the industry. Yeah, and and speaking uh, specifically from a CCV perspective, Jeff, CCV standing for clinical chart validation, there are several categories of clinical appropriateness reviews that we offer. Um, Our core services center around the DRG and short stay reviews. Clinical appropriateness from a DRG validation perspective uh, entails verifying that the diagnoses build, which map to the DRG and inpatient payment category, that those diagnoses build were supported by the clinical indicators in the record. So, for instance, if um, a patient has pneumonia and pneumonia was billed, um, does the clinical evidence in that medical record support the fact that the patient truly had that pneumonia? Did the x-ray support the patient had the pneumonia? Did the other clinical indicators support that patient truly had that pneumonia that was billed? Clinical appropriateness from a short-stay perspective entails verifying that the place of service, place of service meaning things like inpatient, emergency room, outpatient observation, um, but we're verifying that the place of service was appropriately assigned and billed based upon nationally recognized guidelines like interqualum element. The guidelines enable us to map the intensity of the treatment the patient received to that correct clinical setting. Let me add, uh, Jeff, from the clinical validation side, uh, really focusing on payment accuracy from a health plan's perspective, you know, paying the claim accurately is really our end goal as well as the health plan's end goal. And on the clinical validation side, 
coding modifiers play the significant uh, role in determining if number one, the modifiers have been appended correctly. I just wanted to emphasize that really from a historical perspective, we went back and really did some intense diving into the use of modifiers. And we identified that 38% of the time, the overriding modifiers that were appended to claims were not justified. This was substantiated back uh, when the OIG did a nationwide survey and found that modifier 59 which is one of the coding modifiers used to identify if services are appropriately identified on a claim to support the payment aspect of it. Um, The OIG found that the modifier 59 was used incorrectly approximately 40% of the time. Um, So that subsequent audit shows that this trend has continued you know, that's really an expensive um, cost to the health plans. So our clinical validation process allows us to validate those modifiers. You know, I've worked in businesses where there was only a coding and documentation review. There wasn't a clinical appropriateness review. Once we added the clinical appropriateness component, we have more than doubled the prevention rate of incorrect payments. So clinical appropriateness, it's really an invaluable tool used to reduce waste in our healthcare system. So we've established why clinical appropriateness is important. Moving along then, exactly how do we ensure that claims are clinically appropriate for our clients? Well, we use our technology um, and the human intervention component. We look at situations where an automatic denial cannot be made. Um, This allows us to use the modifiers to identify claims that potentially um, could be paid incorrectly. And we use the circumstances around the patient encounter and all the services, whether they are additional testing, imaging, other diagnostic services, we use this additional clinical information to help us identify which claims should be routed for what we refer to as a clinical nurse review. And Jeff, speaking from a CCB perspective, really ensuring that claims are clinically appropriate begins with our selection methodology and our selection process when we identify those claims that look like there could be an issue with the billing. Um, We have a robust library of proprietary concepts, and coupling that with our artificial intelligence and and analytics capabilities, they really help us ensure that we're selecting the claims that have the highest probability of an inaccurate payment. Um, We have a dedicated and very highly skilled team of medical directors, nurses, data scientists, medical coding professionals. Um, They work very closely together to monitor the, the current trends. Um, in the industry and build models that enable us to identify those claims that have an incorrect payment with a a high rate of precision. Once a claim is selected, our clinical coders perform an extensive review of the documentation in that record. That review includes not only evaluating what was documented, but it also incorporates reviews of items such as patient labs, imaging, radiology, interventions that that really need to, to be documented to support the diagnoses on the claim. So simultaneously, they apply nationally recognized and proprietary policies to ensure that those diagnoses that were documented and billed were clinically supported, not only documented, but were clinically supported by those 
clinical indicators such as the labs and imaging, et cetera. Um, so we have a very comprehensive review program. It's performed with industry-leading accuracy and audit sustainability rates. And our program, our CCB program this year is on pace to save our clients over $1 billion in incorrect payments. Um, so that's, that's how we ensure that claims are clinically appropriate for our clients. So Ken and Marla, you both touched on how we use both technology as well as expert human intervention. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What exactly is the role of the advanced technology versus actual humans reviewing the claims and the uh, clinical charts? Well, on the clinical validation side, rules are really derived from industry standard, correct coding practices, rules and guidelines, adding that clinical component of experienced uh, nurses who are also uh, trained in coding. We can process the claims um, still at a rapid pace allowing the help plan to not um, slow down on their processing. Only approximately 1% to 3% of the claims are actually flagged and routed for nurse review. So all the clean claims can be returned immediately. Flagged claims are then validated and returned within a few hours. So that technology, just incorporating a clinical review, still allows for accurate, as well as validated processing through the clinical validation process. For a CCV, the clinical appropriateness program supported through the state-of-the-art technology um, that we have, and it's applied by our most valuable resource, which of course is our staff. Um, technology helps us identify uh, those claims with a high likelihood of having an inappropriate payment based upon certain characteristics on the bill, such as the diagnosis codes and length of stay, the discharge disposition. Artificial intelligence, such as machine learning algorithms, are applied against the claims data to identify those with the highest probability of incorrect payment versus those that appear to be correct and which we would not select for review. Um, Our technology also helps the auditors locate key elements in the record uh, more reliably than if they were just doing a manual review without that technology. Our coders, our clinical coders, take over once the medical record um, is submitted by the provider for review. The clinical coders then review the medical record and apply nationally recognized and proprietary clinical guidelines to document if those elements on the bill are supported in the medical record. So our our technology and our staff, they work hand in hand. They complement each other very well. And together, they provide a very thorough and comprehensive review. So what exactly makes a clinician good at reviewing clinical information, Marla and Ken, both when it comes to reviewing claims and charts? And how do they stay up to date with all the rules and guidelines that we've talked about as well? Good question, Jeff. And I think um, Ken and myself um, really have similar situations here where we really focus on hiring nurses with a broad range of clinical experience and not just the clinical background, actual nursing experience, along with extensive amount of coding training. We focus to hire nurses that come with a coding background, um, but we do have a very extensive, robust training program across our organization that allows us to really focus on correct coding, focus on the national guidelines, and really giving them the tools to be able to look at all aspects of a claim and situation surrounding the visit and using that broad range of background in their vast clinical knowledge to apply to each scenario that allows them to appropriately review 
and return the claim. Marla and Ken, what are some notable examples we've seen of clinically inappropriate claims from our team out there actually working uh, in the trenches? A scenario from the clinical validation side, and again, we're looking for accurate payment of that claim on a prepay standpoint where that claim has been paused for clinical review. Um, A nurse can have a scenario such as a patient presents for, say, a right knee injection. They go into their doctor's office. um, They have a visit and a joint injection. On the surface, on the claim, it looks correct. Let me reemphasize that really the focus of the clinical validation in this scenario is looking at appropriate use of modifiers. So in this scenario where there's been a visit and a procedure done, the provider would typically append a modifier 25 to the visit code. You have a patient um, that presents with right knee pain. They give them an adjoint injection and on the service that claim looks like it should be paid. Um, However, if you insert the nurse review component, then they can look in the patient's history and previous visits or services um, to determine if the patient has had a previous visit. So in this scenario, if the nurse would go into that claim history and see that the patient had been seen a month ago and also had a visit and an injection that was also billed, then the patient basically didn't present for a new problem. This new problem was probably identified on the previous visit And then the evaluation would be inappropriate for this um, second visit. In that case, the nurse would deny the visit and allow payment for the joint injection. This is a common scenario. And the evaluation component of it is really the key here to determine, is this appropriate or not, given the scenario and that patient's histories. So many of the edits are removed by the nurses with that clinical experience in providing extensive review of the patient history and really piece together the clinical scenarios that warrant that separate payment recommendation. So Jeff, I'll give you a very high level example for CCV. An example would be, uh, you know, a patient comes in, they have a medical condition that was precipitated by some type of medical intervention. So they go to the hospital, they have some type of medical intervention whatever it would be, a procedure, surgery, et cetera, and a medical condition arises from it. However, that medical condition is a common occurrence in that circumstance. Generally, when you have this type of medical intervention, you will have that medical condition as a result of it. But that condition is asymptomatic. It's not treated. However, it's coded and it's added to the claim. So there was no services provided for that medical condition. It was expected. No signs or symptoms from the patient was not treated, but it was documented and it was billed. That's an example of a clinically inappropriate condition that should not have been billed. But I think that gives you a little bit of a flavor for the types of clinical inappropriate reviews the CCV team performs. Finally, Ken and Marla, a provider might listen to this conversation and perhaps think, It sounds like clinical appropriateness review may just be another process to deny a claim so that the health plan does not have to pay it. What's your response to that point of view? 
it's really just the opposite. I've had a lot of experience in this in my prior life. Um, I've been with uh, Cotivity for over 15 years. I came from really the provider and the help plans um, side of the business. And it's all about integrity and ensuring correct payment. And it really, it's around ensuring that we pay the claim correctly. And the number one thing really from the clinical validation side, um, as I previously mentioned, the clean claims are returned immediately. We're not looking to find all of these claims to deny payment. We're looking for situations that clearly could be inappropriately um, paid based on the use of the incorrect modifiers. So as I had mentioned, only one to 3% of the claims are flagged for clinical review. So we're not out there to deny the claim. We're looking for the appropriate claims to pay and those that would require some intervention by a human to be able to assess the clinical scenario, the claim scenario, and the request for payment for a specific visit to see if it should be correctly paid or not. Yeah, and you know, Marla really hit it, obviously. We just really want to make sure that the claim is paid accurately, and clinical appropriateness is really a concept that's used to do that, to really ensure that the financial transaction between the health plan and the provider is accurate. Um, as it pertains to the conditions treated and the services rendered. It's really one, just one component of a comprehensive payment in- integrity program. Um, and it's, it's intended to reduce waste and reduce excessive costs in the healthcare industry. The reviews are supported by nationally recognized healthcare literature, official coding guidelines, and billing guidelines. And, and quite honestly, I'm very proud to say that I'm part of a team who really strives to ensure that health plans pay and that providers receive the appropriate dollars to support the care provider. So it's definitely not an excuse to deny a provider's claim. It's an excuse to get the claim paid correctly. And clinical appropriateness is really necessary to contain those excessive and unjustifiable healthcare costs. And, and that's what our team does so effectively. We've been joined by Marla Wilson, Cotivity Vice President of Clinical and Coding Operations. Marla, thanks so much for your insight today. Thank you, Jeff. We've also been speaking with Ken Zabolski, Vice President of Audit Operations for Cotivity. Ken, thanks so much for your time as well. Thank you, Jeff. You've been listening to From the Trenches, a healthcare analytics podcast from Cotivity. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. I'm Jeff Robinson. Join us again soon for more insightful conversations into how to turn data into insights into action. Thanks for listening.